It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kemba Walker goes through a full hard practice and we get into the amazing 2016-17 performances of Isaiah Thomas on this Thursday, Locked On Celtics. Really? Let's go. Jays back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it. Got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. It's the best way. Melly. Hey there, John Corrales here of MassLive.com. I am their Boston Celtics beat reporter. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. If you're new to the program, this show goes Monday through Friday. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. However you want to do it is fine with me. If you want to get this podcast delivered to you, to your device, Monday through Friday. You could also just ask your smart device to play the latest episode of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. However you want to do it, this show brought to you today by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Hey, start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Budu and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. My first segment here is going to be from today, the Wednesday media availability uh, second segment, third segment are going to be the Isaiah Thomas, the meat of the Isaiah Thomas season, 2016-17, and into the tragedy of the first round of the playoffs and his the loss of his sister. Plus later, a special bonus because I'm a moron. That's later. Let's start with practice. Really two things coming out of practice on Wednesday. One, basically, Kemba Walker went through the entire practice. It was, according to Brad Stevens, a hard practice. He went through it. It was basically fine. He had no issues. And to the point where uh, Brad Stevens says uh, he'll be very happy when he comes out after 18 or 20 minutes in the in the Friday uh, first seeding game against Milwaukee. So basically 18 to 20 minute limit for Kemba Walker, but... Uh, and the quote is, today was a hard practice where we really pushed ourselves and he did everything without any issues. He was moving great, high spirits. So the the joke from Brad Stevens is, after that practice, Kemba's going to be sore and he'll be happy to be done after 20 minutes in the first seeding game. So basically, his knee's fine. He went through the practice. He's going to play on Friday. We'll just leave it at that because... Then the next step is how did it react after Friday and playing you know that that game and but the the ramp up is something that seems to be working for him. The other big thing that came out of that uh, media availability was Jalen Brown and the continued emphasis on social justice. Now I'm I'm really curious how this is is being received because I'll let you in a little a little bit of the kind of behind the scenes. I know the stats. I watch. I watch what is popular and not popular on the uh, Mass Live, the stuff that I write, and I'm kind of seeing that people aren't 
reading some of the social justice stuff quite as much as they're reading some of the other stuff. And I'm curious if that's an anomaly for us at Mass Live, if it's something that's just specific to me and what I'm writing, how I'm writing it, or is that something that is kind of permeating the sphere here? And, you know, Jalen was passionate. Jalen was was very thoughtful and, and his message is very clear about justice for Breonna Taylor and getting out and voting. And, you know, especially in the, the midterm elections and, you know, the, the, the local elections, governors, mayors, state, state houses, that kind of stuff. That stuff is really important. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, it's really important to vote in your local elections. That's where things get done. We focus on presidential stuff because that's where everybody wants to focus, but the local elections are where things get done, and this is part of the messaging that's going on here with these players. But I'm curious to see, are, are people already experiencing some sort of fatigue with this message? Uh, is there something else that, that needs to happen? And now, Friday, the first seeding games, actually the first seeding games are going to start uh, on Thursday, so... I want to see how the the NBA, how how these teams with the national spotlight will react. What are they going to do? How are they going to? What, what's their protest going to be? There's going to be something, right? There, we're we're going to start seeing the jerseys with the messages on the back, and I want to see if that kind of bumps up the awareness. But I I want to know if if this message is being received, and if it's not, what do the players need to do? What do the players need to do to push this further to the forefront and keep this conversation going? It's one thing to have the conversations. It's one thing to stay, say this stuff. And look, I'm going to write about what is being said. If these guys are pushing the social me- the social uh, justice, uh, then that that's the story. And I will write about their efforts to push the, so- the social justice. Um, that's, that's how this is going to go. And it's an important story. It's important for them to continue to mention Breonna Taylor. Personally, I think it's important as well. So uh, I'm going to keep writing about it. Other people are going to keep writing about it. It's it's just a matter of I'm I'm curious to see what's next and what what pushes this further into the forefront. The last thing I'm going to say, there was some discussion online about Gordon Hayward and the, his choice of education reform on the back of his jersey, and he was getting a lot of grief. I'm not here for the grief for Gordon Hayward. I know why there's grief for Gordon Hayward. I'm choosing to focus on the message. And personally, education reform, I think, is maybe the most important thing, or one of the most important things. It's a pillar of what we're talking about here. When we talk about equality, social justice, and and getting everybody to the equal starting point, we're talking about eradicating racism and prejudice, we're talking about eradicating the systemic racism, and that starts at the schools. Now, that's a long-term goal. The The short-term stuff is police reform and, and other reforms that kind of address a lot of these situations that these players are, are trying to address. There are certainly short-term goals that will fix things, but amongst the long-term goals to attack the root of systemic racism, it's an equal education system where all of the schools have the same opportunity. All of the schools have the same uh, access 
to materials that the the places where the, the, the rich districts don't just have the good schools and the poor districts have the poor schools because that just it perpetuates the problem. We want to have education reform where all of the schools, it doesn't matter where your kids go, they're going to have a great education no matter what. But think about that from your perspective. No more shopping around for, okay, what's, this, what's the good school system? I can tell you, my brother's looking for a house and he's like, got two kids, got two young kids. He's looking for the good school system. Because he wants what's best for his kids. That's what every parent would do. But what if all the schools were good school systems? What if all the schools had the same opportunity? Didn't matter if you're black or white or whatever ethnicity. That would be the goal. A reform that allowed all of these kids access to the same education. So they all had the same opportunities. So when they got to college, they had the same opportunities to get into these colleges. That's the goal. So education reform is at the top of the list for me. So all of the stuff that was being said about Gordon Hayward, that people who follow me on Twitter saw this big argument that I got. First of all, I'm sorry sometimes I get caught up in these Twitter fights. I'm sorry. I know that I, I don't need to engage all the time. That's my own thing. I got I to gotta slow that down sometimes. I get it. But to me, the any issues people have with Gordon Hayward – comes secondary to the message, the message of education reform. He and 11 other players in the NBA are going to wear that on the back of his his jersey. Education reform is one of the most important things that we could have in this country. And I, for one, am happy to see any players wearing that on the backs of their jerseys. And I think anybody that's saying that Gordon Hayward choosing that is is a cop-out I think you're cheapening the message because you're calling education reform a cop-out choice. And that's not a cop-out choice to me. That is an important message that needs to be had. We need to get all of our kids everywhere on the same page. That's it. So everybody has the opportunities. That's, that's, my, that's my passion in all of this. Like I really believe that if we can get to that point, that's going to fix so many things. But that's, I know that's a long-term solution. So that's my last comment there. I'm going to stop. We're going to take uh, a, a minute here. To, again, reset. Up next, the uh, Isaiah Thomas 2016-17 season. That conversation continues. A special bonus segment at the end of the podcast. You can stop at the end of the podcast, but I, I'm, I'm going to explain that later on. Something that I forgot to include, basically, because I'm an idiot. Don't be an idiot like me when it comes to this podcast when you have your car uh, because when you need to get something fixed for your car you need to go to rockauto.com I'm telling you go to rockauto.com this is the best place to go for any kind of thing you need for your car an advanced type of part or something simple like a windshield wiper motor oil stuff like that if you really need to fix your car you need a part you know by going to one of these chain stores they're just going to order the part for you anyway why waste your time walking into that place, not knowing what this guy's going to order for you, not knowing if this price is going to be different because you're not a professional mechanic, which they do do, not knowing if your price is going to fluctuate because of some sort of market influence, which they do. Just go to rockauto.com, order it yourself, cut out the trip, stay at home, social distance, don't expose yourself to something else. Stay at home, go to rockauto.com. They always offer the lowest price possible. No matter what, no matter who you are, and they've got a huge catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. 
you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. Best of all, those prices at rockauto.com are reliably low and the same for everyone. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So if you go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. There was one moment, and this, this whole thing is basically all about Isaiah Thomas this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a moment in the, at the beginning of that season where Nike put these, they, they went into North station or is it North station? South station. No, no, North station by the garden. Right. But no, but they, I think they, I think they put these, these, um, things in this, in South station okay. where Isaiah Thomas, uh, cause I know in North station, they have um, like they always put pictures of players up, um, but he there was this campaign that said pick me last again because as you said he was picked sixtieth, um, and they yeah I, I want to say it's South Station but anyway he snuck in somebody told him about it and like he snuck in to South Station to take pictures to, to look at this campaign. Like they, they created this whole thing about like around Isaiah Thomas because he was ascending because he was becoming like this King in the fourth. And so he, he got, he got in there like late one night and just said, you know, I marveled at this display of, Wow, I can't believe like this is he owns Boston at this point. Like he is he's like he's at five nine, he's got this chip on his shoulder, he's not backing down from anybody. Like he is the absolute like he's at his peak. He owns this city. People love Isaiah Thomas. Uh it was amazing to see him at this height. Uh he's got like Kevin Gar- Kevin Garnett saying like this guy should be in the MVP conversation. Uh, he's leading these 
20 point, he's got these 20 point fourth quarter comebacks. You know, like I said, the one against Miami, he's got one against Washington to just come out of nowhere. The Celtics were just notorious for like, they were winning, but like they were notorious for like, Oh, well, we're down 14 in the fourth quarter. Hey, Isaiah, want to bail us yeah. out again? Yeah. <laughs> and no, he would. No problem, guys. And like, you never felt like it was out of reach because Isaiah would just, so, he just start going off. It was wild. You know, he, he ends up making player of the month. Um, he, in, in January of that season, he averaged 33 points a game. 33 points a game in the month of January. Just insane. While you were talking, I Googled that um, pick me last Yeah. again. And, yeah, there's a picture of him standing in South Station surrounded by all these giant posters of him. And he's looking like a little kid on Christmas morning. He's so happy and feeling good, and he deserved it. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? that? I, now, we we almost, like, kind of casually, like, just talk about him like, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, he's, he is picked last. He's let go by, you know, Sacramento's like, yeah, whatever. Phoenix like, yeah, whatever. Um, and Boston's like the first place that's, that says, no, you're, you're our guy. Like here, you, you, you run things like the, and Danny Ainge always, always liked Isaiah Thomas anyway, but like, this is, this is the first and only time. The only city, even as we get to the end of this and we talk about the, the, the sad ending to Isaiah's time in Boston, even at that point, it's like he, even though that happened, he still loves Boston. And, and like you, it's, it's a, a testament to how much he was loved because Isaiah's best games have certainly been far behind him now for a while. Uh, play, people still want him. When it came time for like signing replacement players, people are still tweeting, "Hey, Danny Ainge, get Isaiah Thomas." People still want Isaiah Thomas back here because they the lasting memories of, are of all of the things that he's done this season. Hmm. The motivation, uh, the uh, inspiration that he provided. Uh, that, if nothing else, if they brought him back, in, like in that situation, you know. Uh, late season pickup just to have him there to uh, rekindle some of those memories would be good enough, even if he couldn't contribute too much, but um, just that was the thing. He was beloved. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just on the court. He was beloved. Everybody related to him. Right. And then, then before we go into anything else about Isaiah, um, I don't know if you had this on your list to talk about, but that was the, also the final appearance of Paul Pierce at the Garden that season. Talk about the beloved right. Celtic. Right. The, the man of the people. I mean, everybody now loves Paul Pierce. Uh, if you're a Celtics fan, he's he's uh, right at, at the top of your list. And he came in in uh, February with the Clippers. His final season, he had said he was going to retire. And he had one of those moments again. If this was a Hollywood movie, you'd say, "Come on, right?" You know. But um, as I'm sure everybody listening remembers, uh, he had the big final shot 
that he drained from the top of the three-point arc just as uh, just before time was expiring, and he went out in uh, bathed in glory. <laughs> right. Um, I feel th- that was Isaiah Thomas was played a role in that too, right? Isaiah yes. Thomas switched out onto him. It was like, yes. you know. <laughs> Let him have it. Right. Well, I don't think he had much choice anyway because Paul was just going to shoot over the top of him no matter what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't try to do anything to bother him. So, yeah, he was showing his respect too. Yes. Uh, and as we're talking about it, I'm going to I'm gonna watch it again because, yeah, Isaiah Isaiah gave like the little token thing. Um, and, and Boston was up. That was like 107-102. That was the last shot. I mean yeah. – yeah, that was that was kind of perfect. Isaiah just said, "All right, yeah, you go do your thing." That went in. Man, look at the garden explode. Perfect, perfect. You turn around and get like Steve Pagliuca just shooting, uh, recording the whole thing on his on his phone. Yeah, that was that was a day of love in the garden. Yeah, that was that was uh, a hell of a time. I I forgot about that. I forgot that that was that season. Uh, because this comes like Isaiah's having this this monster. He, he makes the All Star game again. Just missed out on being a starter. Uh, he, so he, he's on the bench, and uh, he in in February, late that that month, he broke a streak. He had forty three straight games with twenty plus points. A he broke John Havlicek's record, and he promised that he was going to break it again. But, um, yeah, so February for, for Isaiah Thomas included the end of a 40, 43 straight 20-plus point games. Amazing. Uh, and, of course, that moment with, with Paul Pierce was right about the same time. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LOCeltics on Twitter and at LockedOnCeltics on Instagram. Mm. Um, then, then, then things start to turn. In March, he ends up hurting his hip. And Isaiah, in start, it, it, he slows down a little bit. And at that time, we didn't realize what exactly was going on, but um, we knew that he he missed a couple of games uh, after that injury. We didn't think it was so bad, but he he missed the he missed two games in in March, and then he was he was okay. He had he still had some some big performances, but um, that's the beginning of the Isaiah Thomas kind of hip issues, but you know, he, he still pops off like a, a couple of 30 point games here and there. And, and so I never, I never thought like, huh, this is going to be something that, that hinders him 
throughout all of this. Uh, but that's that's something that when you look at this season, there was there was that in the middle of March where Isaiah Thomas hurts his hip, misses a couple of games, and that's kind of like the foreboding that we didn't know at the time, Mike. Yeah, it was uh, was the the part of the movie where things get bad, and uh, you know you have some uh, foreshadowing as to how bad it's going to be. We didn't know it, as you said. Uh, it didn't seem to be any kind of a, a big thing or a long-term injury because um, he was still running wild. I mean, look at what happened early in the playoffs, how, uh, how well he played then. Sure. And right up until the time when he got ruled out for the rest of the playoffs, nobody – I don't think uh, – uh, the way I remember it, I don't think anybody – thought that he was going to be shut down and suddenly he was that's how it turned out but you know he was still going along scoring the way he had been and playing his game and uh didn't seem like it was anything bad it wasn't like a kg situation in 2009 you know where there was question as to uh how how healthy was he going to be nobody thought that no, no, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, so the Celtics finished the season with the top seed. Uh, they finished first overall, and they get into a, a first-round matchup against the Chicago Bulls. And if we recall correctly, that, that matchup against the Chicago Bulls was problematic because all of a sudden uh, – Playoff Rondo showed up, and the Chicago Bulls won the first two games in in Boston, and there was like this feeling of dread. But then Rondo got hurt, and it was funny. Rondo got hurt, and then Brad Stevens put Jeff, uh, not Jeff Green, Gerald Green, into the starting lineup, and boom, it clicked, and the Celtics won the next four games. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the, the uh, other circumstance was that IT's sister was killed in the right. car accident right right before that. the playoffs. Right. I should mention and, that first. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, you know, it was obviously tragic. Uh, and then as far as basketball is concerned, it was secondary. But, um, you know, the timing couldn't have been worse. Uh, but Isaiah stuck with it wanted to play anyway in tribute to his sister. And he did that. But you could see the whole team had some sort of a malaise at that point because everybody was just so hurt by what had happened. And everybody, fans included, were feeling it for Isaiah. And overcoming the psychological part of that was just very tough. And so for the first two games... That was hanging over them, and they uh, and the Bulls were motivated. For whatever reason, they came in on fire and thought that they had a chance to pull an eight, upsetting number one. And uh, they they won the first game by four points and won the second game by fourteen points, and those are both in Boston. And Isaiah was playing hard, although he was, you know, he was probably on fumes for energy and uh 
But then, as you said, when things looked bleak, it was down 0-2, and they were going to Chicago for the next two games, uh, and Rondo got hurt. That really put a crimp in the Bulls. Uh, they were not effective after that. Um, they didn't score 100 points. They had over 100 points easily in both games in Boston, but the next four games, they were under 100 without Rondo. And and Isaiah managed to pick it up, uh, you know, get into a little better frame of mind possibly, and the team uh, started to carry him, and he carried the team, and everybody came around, and they um, they did win the series four to two. The yes, so they they won that series um, in before game three. Kevin Garnett actually sent a video message to the Celtics. Um, and that was something that he, in that, in that call, he kind of had a, a, a message to pump up the team and kind of, kind of give them a little bit of uh, uh, an, a boost, a little energy boost, something to kind of console Isaiah Thomas. And like that, that kind of, I think, was part of the little boost that the Celtics got going into game three. Um, Isaiah like would go back and forth. Like he would leave and go to Washington. And then like, I think he left after game two and went to Washington, then came back for game three. Um, so talk about being on fumes and all of that stuff. Uh, but he would, he would say that, this is what she would want. And then this is, I've got to do this to honor her memory. And then KG comes through this. And I remember the quotes from that point, like you, you, you get this message from, you know, you talks about like the family that the Celtics are and, and coming together for Isaiah Thomas and, and getting that little, that little boost. I remember at the time it's like, geez, KG still helping the Celtics over here. Um, and, and that kind of gave them a little something extra. Now, obviously again, Rondo, uh, was out. Uh, Isaiah Thomas did decide to play. I do remember that there was that famous picture of Isaiah. This is probably before game one at this point, but um, the picture of Isaiah and Avery Bradley. Yes. You know, <clears throat> Isaiah's got his head down almost between his knees and Bradley's got his arm around him. I mean, these, the, the emotional aspect in all of this was just, uh, in, insane, insane to think about. Uh, and the Celtics go through this series, they win, and then they take on the Washington Wizards, uh, who were the fourth seed. Tomorrow we will get into that Washington Wizards series because that's the, I mean, that is the ultimate. It has the best playoff performance you're ever going to see out of Isaiah Thomas uh, on what would have been his sister's birthday. It, it was just phenomenal. I, I, I can't even begin to describe it. We're going to talk about that on the next podcast. So subscribe for those of you who have not subscribed. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, right now, we're going to finish up these deep dives. And then as these seeding games get, get into their groove, we're going to go back to the normal podcasts and, and get into our regular kind of just talking about basketball all the time. 
So subscribe, and you're gonna the podcast is gonna transition back to its normal self in that time. So if you have haven't listened to these deep dives, you can go back because we started in the 1950s. We literally covered every season in Boston Celtics history up until this 2016-17 season. So there's only a couple of seasons left. I might as well find a way to finish it up, right, at some point here. So we'll do that. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, those of you who have a written review and and uh, five-star rating would be great. Before we go, and oh, by the way, listen to the Lockdown NBA podcast. The They've been doing the, the re-previews. Every team in the bubble on the Lockdown NBA podcast has like a three- or four-minute preview of, of their upcoming kind of restart to the season. So check it out. It'll get you really nicely caught up on what's happening in Orlando. If you haven't been caught up, and it's very easy. You get three podcasts with all those teams. Boom. Done. Okay. Now the special segment. The podcast is over. You can stop now if you're done. But what I didn't do... And thank you, Mike Dynan, for pointing this out to me. I forgot to put in the last segment of the 2015-16 season. Okay? So if you were listening to the 2015-16 deep dives and you're wondering, hey, you were going to talk about Marcus Smart being like the first the first instance of him being a stretch big? Yeah. I forgot to put that in. So if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to, but... I'm tacking it on right here because I promised that we were going to talk about everything and this is everything. So thanks for listening. And now here's the last segment, the almost lost segment of that end of the 2015-16 season. This particular season, right before the All-Star break, they won nine out of ten. And they had been about a 500 team prior to that. And after that streak, they were looking pretty solid as a playoff team. They didn't have to worry about missing it after that. And uh, so, again, baby steps, get in a better position than they had had the year before. And, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't win the playoff series, so Brad still hadn't won, but uh, they performed better. They won a couple and, of playoff games. Yeah. They, um, they lost to Atlanta 4-2. to two. And uh, they were down 0-2 after the first two games in Atlanta. But they came back. IT had 42 points in Game 3. And Game 4 was memorable for the defense that Smart played. This is, if you, a lot of people will recall this, um, Millsap, Paul Millsap for Atlanta, was going off this day. It's Game 4. Atlanta had 2-1 two, two in the series. Millsap had 43 points early fourth quarter. He was um, – nobody could stop him. Brad put smart on him defensively, and from that point on, final nine minutes of regulation, Millsap scored two points, and that went into overtime, and he was scoreless, and the Celts won going away by nine points. And that was a huge moment for smart in his development and – his reputation as a top defensive player. Yes. I mean, this is uh, Brad Stevens called that uh, throwing darts. I was, I was just throwing darts because no one could stop him. Uh, Jonas Jarebko, 
Amir Johnson, Jay Crowder, Jared Sullinger, and they all got torched. And then Marcus Smart goes in and um, it just changes. It changes the entire dynamic. Uh, and like, yeah, you're right. This is, this is uh, Marcus Smart really showing uh, more evidence that he can be uh, that stretch six that he's talking about. It's funny. Mm -hmm. I was just watching him in a video down in Orlando, and it was uh, Taco, Ennis Cantor, Vincent Poirier, and Marcus Smart. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all four centers are hanging out together. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, from that point on, we pretty much knew that Smart could guard almost anybody. And he's proven that over and over. Uh, When the one that I think of, in that regard, is Kristaps uh, Porzingis when he was on the Knicks. He really never played a good game against the Celtics, and a lot of it was because Smart would guard him, and he just couldn't get away from him. Couldn't use his height either. I remember I went to a game down in New York, uh, Celtics at the Knicks, and Smart was on Porzingis, who posted him up, and this was before Smart became subtle and Porzingis turned and banged into smart and Marcus went flying back like he'd been shot out of a cannon. (laughs) The ref just looked at him, no whistle, but Porzingis missed the shot and didn't have a good night at all. And that was typical. So, and, but this, um, game against Millsap in the playoffs was the way I remember it was the first time that we really took note of how versatile Smart's defense is. Yeah, it also um, Evan Turner after that game had a another Evan Turner quote, which is funny. Um, Said Smart did a great job on him on the Paul Millsap. Uh, he kept on 45 for like 20 minutes. It sounds crazy, but Smart stopped him from getting 50. Make sure you put that in the paper. Uh, and that's yeah so you know you you get the real full beginning of the marcus smart experience uh in that series so uh another another season that was successful uh i don't know how much we want to say how much more we want to say like the the story of the season was isaiah thomas first of all a little bit of stability like a couple of things didn't work, but at least there was some stability. And Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas was awesome. We still didn't know how awesome he was going to be, but really the most important part of the season is the Celtics displaying the fight, the determination, the promise, because this next, this summer, after this season is when they start pursuing players. This is Kevin Durant is available this summer. Al Horford is available this summer. All of a sudden, the full court press is being put on these players. The Celtics, by virtue of buying out David Lee, open up. They get rid of a cap hold, which opened up cap space. So he was never going to stay around anyway. The Celtics all of a sudden have um, have money to play with. So more so than the playoff results, more so than the 
uh, any individual accolades. The Celtics have displayed this season a a potential star player in Isaiah Thomas, potential pieces around him in Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, and a coaching staff that is quickly gaining a, a, a reputation for getting the most out of players and a front office that, thank you, Michael Jordan, doesn't make stupid moves that's a little bit more prudent in how it spends its money. Now the Celtics are prepared to go into free agency and finally make a splash. And let me add this as a maybe a PS to that. There was also the home crowd in the garden. I just want to mention that because the back in the old Russell days, um, attendance was poor. And even into the Havlicek era, same thing. It wasn't until the Bird era that attendance picked up and the crowd got really intense. Well, even after a couple of down seasons and – trying to rebuild after the big trade with Brooklyn. The crowd at home in the garden was still rabid and still loud. And the Celtics did end up losing that playoff series to the Hawks in six. But then you mentioned Al Horford. He did, as we know, sign with the Celtics. And when he did, he mentioned he was impressed by the Boston crowd influenced him to want to play there uh, because the fans were so good so into it so behind the team he was impressed and that certainly helped so it wasn't just the players or the coaches or the front office it's everybody and it was all starting to come together and the following season was one of the best that I have ever seen and I've been a Celtics fan for a long time Hi guys this is Josh Lloyd host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast the NBA is back so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another we've got daily fantasy but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered it's not just for fantasy basketball though because we recap all of the games across the NBA so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you